Thank you, Kevin, for reading. Thank you for coming back this afternoon. We are thin, as Zachary noted a moment ago, but we're glad that you're back, and we hope and pray that the time that we spend together for the next few minutes will glorify God and benefit us as His people. We're looking at 1 John chapter 3, the passage read a moment ago, in verses 1 through 3. And our lesson this afternoon, we are God's special people. I think it's important to remember that. That as a child of God, we are incredibly special. We're not just a common, ordinary person, but we belong to God. And because of that, we're special. Now the beauty of it is that the call goes out to all. The gospel is for all, isn't it? And Jesus said, Come unto me, all you that labor. Paul would write in 1 Timothy chapter 2 that God's desire is that all men be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. And so to understand that God wants us all to be among His special people. In our study today, the first thing that I want to call your attention to has to do with the dignity of God's children. The dignity of of God's children. I think this goes back again to the idea that we are special. Now listen to what John said in 1 John chapter 3. Look, if you would, at verse 1. John writes, Behold, in other words, take notice, see this, behold what manner of love or what kind of love the Father has bestowed on us. The Bible goes to great lengths to stress the love that God has for us. Matter of fact, John, in 1 John chapter 4, tells us God is love. In that same chapter, he said, Here in his love, not that we love God, but that he loved us. God's love, demonstrated time and again throughout Scripture, most importantly, to go back to Calvary, if you want to know something about the love of God, the love that God has for you, all demonstrated on Calvary's cross, just outside the walls of Jerusalem. But John said, Behold what manner of love, what kind of love, the Father has bestowed on us, now listen to him, that we should be called the children of God, or the sons of God. I want to just call your attention to a point here. We're not just called God's children. We are God's children. Now sometimes we'll talk about people and we will say, he was a good man or she was a good lady or he is a good man and she is a good lady. And we'll call them by saying that's their character. But what The Lord is saying is, we're not just called His children, we are His children. You remember in Romans chapter 8 where Paul said that we are heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ? And the Bible talks about Jesus and our relationship with Him, that He is not ashamed to call us brethren. So to understand that we are incredibly special people. Why? Because we're sons of God. We're children of God. We are part of the family of God. In 1 Timothy chapter 3, at verse 15, 
Paul talks about the household of God, the church of the living God. Now we are brothers and sisters in Christ. Peter would say that we are people of like precious faith. But again, we are God's family. When Paul wrote to the saints in Ephesus, he's writing to some who had a Gentile background. And he said, you're no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God. There's the idea. So God has lavished upon us great love, that love demonstrated by sending Jesus into the world. And Jesus himself said, greater love has no man than this, than a man laid in his life for his friends. As we contemplate the dignity of God's children, Number one, the characterization. That is, we've been called children of God. We are children of God. But number two, consider if you would, God's care for us. Now Peter said in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7, casting all your care on Him. Why? Because He cares for you. One of the ways that we know God cares about us is that He has invited us to come before His throne through prayer. Wasn't it Peter who said the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous? His ears are open to their prayers. Here's what John said over in chapter 5 at verse 14. If you ever want to know something about God's care for you and God's interest in you as one of His children, as one of His family members, He said this is the confidence that we have in Him. That if we ask anything according to His will, here it is, he hears us. As a parent, when our children come to us and they have cares and concerns, anxieties, maybe they're worried about something that they're facing in life, do we not give them our undivided attention? Isn't it the case that we do what we can to listen attentively and then to try to help them, to guide them, to direct them? to encourage and give them comfort. That's the beauty of prayer, isn't it? To know that we serve a God in heaven. And because we are His family members, He cares about us. And I know that there are people in our world today that sadly do not have the affection for their family members that the Bible speaks of. Paul talks about those who are without natural affection. That's what we're talking about. And I understand that Scripture teaches us that the aged women or the more mature women are to teach the younger women to love their husbands, to love their children. Love is a learned trait. But by and large, we love our children and we want to care for them. We want to give them the absolute best, don't we? The care that God has for us, His concern. And then there's a third thought as a part of God's family, to know that we have companionship with Him. We have 24-7 companionship with the Lord, don't we? John is writing this short letter emphasizing the deity and humanity of Jesus. There were some who were denying His humanity. And what John is trying to convince those people in the first century was this that the pre-incarnate Christ 
became the incarnate Christ, that is, the pre-existent Christ, would take upon Himself human flesh and dwell among us. And so John was writing to people in the first century. He said that you might have fellowship with us. For truly our fellowship is with God the Father and Jesus Christ the Son. John wanted people in the first century to enjoy fellowship with God the Father and Jesus Christ the Son. But also there is the fellowship that we enjoy in Christ, isn't there? There's this constant companionship that we as God's people have day in and day out. The song that we sing from time to time, Anywhere with Jesus I can safely go. Is the Lord Jesus with us wherever we go? Is God always with us? Yes, He is. The Hebrew writer said, I will never leave you nor forsake you, so that we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper. What shall man do unto me? So number one, to understand that we as God's people have dignity. That we are saints in the kingdom of God. Let me just very quickly cite for you 1 Peter chapter 2. Peter said, you are an elect race, a royal priesthood, listen to him, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession, which really leads us to another thought here in connection with what we're reading in 1 John chapter 3. So number one, the dignity of God's children, but number two, the distinctiveness of God's children. As a child of God, we are different, aren't we? Now, we are different or peculiar in the sense that we've been called out. We have been called out of the world. The word church in the original means the called out ones, the ecclesia. We have been called out of darkness into the marvelous light of Christ. That's what Peter said in 1 Peter chapter 2. Whom he has called forth out of darkness into his marvelous light. Now I want you to listen to what John said. Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us, that we should be called children of God. Now note. Therefore, because we are God's children, because we belong to God's house, God's family, he said, the world does not know us. Now note, because it did not know him. That's profound, isn't it? What then is my relationship to the world? I think what John is saying is, number one, we are different and our relationship to the Lord is such that we're not on compatible terms with the world. In other words, our relationship to the world because of who we are and whose we are says by and large that we're different. Now again, Peter said, you're an elect race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. Now John said, look, the world doesn't know us, and the reason is because the one we serve, the world didn't know him. In John chapter 15, Jesus said in the long ago, 
He said, if you were of the world, the world would hate you. But you are not of the world. He said, but I called you out of the world. God called us out of the world through the gospel, didn't He? Therefore, because we are the called out ones, we live a distinctive, different life in Christ. Now, John talks about the danger of loving the world in 1 John 2, 15 through 17. And you remember he said, if anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. James in chapter 4 talks about the danger of becoming a friend with the world. And Paul emphasizes the importance of not allowing the world to shape and mold who we are. Why? Because we belong to God. And so what that says to me is because of our relationship to the Lord, because we belong to Him, because we are children of God, we don't have the same relationship that we once had prior to becoming a child of God. We think differently. We act differently. Well, how does all that come about? By taking God's Word and making application on a daily basis. In 1 John chapter 3, Look, if you would, at what John said down in verse 9. John said, Whoever has been born of God does not sin, because his seed remains in him. Therefore he cannot sin, because he's been born of God. I don't think John here is saying that when we become a child of God, it's impossible for us to sin. That's not the case at all. But what he is saying is that old way of life has been put to death or crucified. And because we have died to that old way of life, we don't do business like we once did. We're changed people. We have made a, we have made a transition from darkness to light. In 2 Corinthians chapter 6, Paul raises the question, what communion has light and darkness? Well, the idea is we're light in Christ. The world signified by darkness. Light and darkness can't coexist. And so Jesus is saying, as one of His followers, as people that have been called out, we're not like the world. So when the world looks, as, looks at us, berates us, persecutes us, when the world says bad things about us, we're in good company. Why? Because we're in company with the Lord, aren't we? Jesus said, look, if you are the world, the world would love its own, but you're not of the world. Therefore, because you're not of the world, he said the world hates you. That's the summation of it. So we are distinctive. We are different in how we live. There's a third thing I want to share with you. It has to do with the destiny of God's children. Look again at 1 John chapter 3. Note verse 2. John said, Beloved, now we are children of God, and it has not been revealed, it has not yet been revealed, what we shall be. But we know that when He is revealed, we shall be like Him. For we shall see Him as He is. Now there are two thoughts here. Number one, what we will be, and number two, what we will see. Now, there are a lot of questions that we have about 
What's it going to be like on the other side? And what John is saying is that when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven, and He's coming, when the Lord Jesus comes from heaven, when that archangel speaks, when that trumpet sounds, we're going to see the Lord as He is. Now I want you to go back for a moment or two to the book of Isaiah. In Isaiah chapter 6, and Isaiah is writing about 700, 750 years before Jesus came to earth. Isaiah said, in the year that King Uzziah died, he saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up. Isaiah had the opportunity to see a member of the Godhead sitting upon an exalted throne. And he said, above it were seraphim, that is, angelic beings. And then he went on to say that those angelic beings were crying out, Holy, 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 Lord God of hosts. The whole earth is full of His glory. Isaiah went on to say that the post of the door were shaken by the voice of Him who cried. And the house was filled with smoke, reminiscent, if you remember, back in 1 Kings chapter 8. When Solomon dedicated the temple, and you remember that cloud appeared, the Shekinah, signifying the presence of God. And I think what Isaiah is saying is that he is now in the very presence of Almighty God. And he said that he cried out, Woe is me, for I am undone. I'm a man of unclean lips. I dwell in the midst of an unclean people. Now note, for my eyes have seen the King the Lord of hosts. Now in John chapter 12, Jesus, of course, is talking to the people of His day. And sadly, John speaks of the many, many signs that He did in the presence of the people of His day. And John said, Though He had done so many signs or miracles among them, yet they believed not. And he quotes Isaiah. He quotes Isaiah chapter 6 and Isaiah chapter 53. And he said, These things Isaiah said when he saw his glory and spoke of him. You know who he was talking about there? I believe he was talking about the second member of the Godhead. That Isaiah was in the very presence of the Word who would later become flesh. One day, and here's the point, one day we are going to be in the presence of God the Father, Jesus Christ the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We're going to see the Lord as He is. Now, I can't comprehend that. Can you? Again, here is a holy God that tabernacled in human flesh. And before Jesus emptied Himself, taking the role of a servant, being clothed in human flesh, to realize that He was willing to leave the glory of heaven and all that that entailed to come to earth. And Isaiah said, look, I saw Him. One day we're going to see the Lord. That is an amazing thought, isn't it? 
to stand in the presence of the Creator, the Sustainer, and the Redeemer of heaven and earth. We're going to be there one day. So John is talking about what we will see, but then what we will be. What does the glorified body of the Lord look like? I don't know. Don't have a clue. I just know that John said, when he is revealed, I will see him as he is, and I'll be like him. Now I know in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, Paul talks about the resurrection. The implications of the resurrection to us as his people. And you remember Paul in the long ago said, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Neither does corruption inherit incorruption. He said, we shall not all sleep. We'll be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet. The dead will be raised. And he said, we shall be changed. And this mortal will put on immortality. This corruptible will put on incorruption. And Paul said, And then shall come to pass the saying, Death is swallowed up in victory. Now one day the Lord's coming. And we will be like Him and we will see Him as He is. Do I know what a body looks like not characterized by flesh and blood? No, I do not. But I know that's the kind of body I'll have one day, as will, as will you. It'll be a glorified body. You know, Paul in, Colossians, or rather in Philippians chapter 3 talked about when Jesus comes again, he said he will change our lowly body, our vile body, like unto his glorious body. That's a thrilling thought, isn't it? No more sickness, no more disease. No more heartache, no more sorrow, no more death. Wonderful thought. Fourth thing, very quickly. The fourth thing has to do with the duty of God's children. Now what John is trying to impress upon readers of every age is number one, we need to be looking for His coming. Because again, he said, when he is revealed, the Lord Jesus will one day come again. Now when? Don't know. I have no more information on when he will come than what we'll be like. Jesus said of that day and hour, knows no man, not the angels of heaven, but my Father only. But he's coming like a thief in the night. And Peter said that when he comes, the heavens as we know them, will be dissolved with a great noise. The elements are going to melt with fervent heat, and then the earth and the works therein are going to be burned up. Planet Earth will be destroyed, gone. In light of that fact, Peter then raises the question. Number one, to be looking for His coming. But number two, to be living in anticipation of His coming. Peter writes, seeing then that all these things are going to be dissolved, he asks this question, what manner of persons ought we to be in all holiness and godly living? You know what he's saying? 
As a child of God, we need to be living right every day. Why? Number, number one, because we belong to God. We've got a relationship. We're His family. And one day the Lord is coming for those of us who belong to His family. And when He comes to be found of Him, striving for a life of purity. Now, note if you would what John says in verse 3. Everyone who has this hope in Him purifies himself just as He is pure. Now back up and look at chapter 2, verse 28 very quickly. John said, little children, abide in Him. Now note, that when He appears, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before Him at His coming. If you know that He is righteous, you know that everyone who practices righteousness is born of Him. Well, how can I tell whether or not you belong to God? By how you live. It's in your DNA. You have changed your life. You're trying to live a Christ-centered, Christ-focused life. In verse 3, everyone who has this hope in Him purifies himself just as He is pure. Listen to what Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. One day we're going to be in God's presence. And only those who are pure in heart will be with Him. It's a blessing to be a child of God, isn't it? Could we not say that if we belong to the Lord, we are His special people? Yes, special, because we enjoy all spiritual blessings in Christ. And listen, the reason Christianity is the best life is because it is the blessed life. You can only become a child of God by submitting to the new birth. And when you do that, Jesus said, you become a part of that kingdom, spiritual kingdom. And the Lord has promised to come one day and take us back with Him to heaven. When the Lord comes, He's going to take those of us who are in the kingdom and deliver, them, deliver us up to the Father. That's what Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15. So today I would ask you, are you a part of the kingdom? Have you obeyed the gospel? If you're not a child of God, why leave here today and not be in Christ? Outside of Christ, no hope, no God. In Christ, hope and God. Here's what Paul said. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. Once you get into Christ, you live for Him day in and day out with the assurance that one day Heaven will be yours. If you're here this afternoon and you're not a Christian, I encourage you to come to Christ believing that He is the Son of God, doing as they did on Pentecost Day, repenting and being baptized into Christ, where you enjoy all spiritual blessings, and then just be faithful. As Paul said, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Will it be worth it? The answer is yes. If you're here this afternoon, maybe your life's not what it ought to be and you'd like to get your life back in harmony with God, well, that opportunity is yours today. 
we would be more than happy to pray with you and for you and to know that God will abundantly pardon us. We stand and sing.